Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. More and more people are dying every day. This has to do with power. How can we federalize federal elections to create election chaos? We want to be vaccinated. That it's a federal takeover of our elections. I don't mean to be dramatic here. I'm just sort of stating facts. It, it will install the ability for Democrats, quite frankly, to cheat. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome in and uh, congratulations to the Georgia Bulldogs. Benny had the score almost correct, except he got the teams backwards. But uh, yeah, I stayed up and watched the first three quarters of it. I said, I, I, you know, my day starts pretty early. So I said, eh, it's probably going to be Alabama by three points and then as soon as i turned the tv off all the action started that's when all the scoring all the interceptions took place well as nick saban told kirby smart last night you guys kicked our arse in the fourth quarter <laughs> in the fourth quarter they did that's what he said in the post game i got it live on tv the uh, I, I i will say that nick saban was uh, a very gracious loser hmm. I, i've heard it said a good leader is not judged by how many followers he has. He is judged by how many other leaders he produces. Right. Nick Saban has produced a lot of quality coaches throughout collegiate and some in pro sports. But uh, it is impressive. Now, and last night, the master was finally beaten by the student. Yeah, he um, Curry Smart was his defensive coordinator for six or seven years. At Alabama? At Alabama, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's, of course, he was at LSU. I, I, you can't take me back any further than LSU. I know he's elsewhere, but uh, it's uh, it's been um, impressive. I got some breaking news. Tell me. North Carolina General Assembly Senator Warren Daniel, immediate release. I'll let you read it. Here you go. All right. Breaking news. Statement on unanimous ruling from bipartisan court validating North Carolina redistricting maps. Wow. A bipartisan panel of judges today issued a unanimous ruling validating North Carolina's redistricting maps. Senator Warren Daniel, who co-chairs the Senate Redistricting Committee, said, Now that a bipartisan court unanimously validated the maps, the people of our state should be able to move on with the 2022 electoral process. But the Sue Till Blue organizations and their lawyers will probably appeal the conflict-riddled state Supreme Court because of its 4-3 Democratic majority uh, has was won with the help of a six-figure donation from the very organization funding the case. Eric Holder's organization donated $250,000 to elect Justice Anita Earls, who has not yet recused herself even though the case is funded by the same organization, her largest campaign backer. And another justice, Sam Irvin, is on the ballot but hasn't recused himself, even though the case will decide the rules and timeline governing his own reelection. So um, they're talking, basically, uh, Senator Warren Daniel is talking about the Superior Court in Wake County, which heard the case last week. And I'm assuming by by this uh, statement, which just came out moments ago, that uh, the Superior Court validated, uh, and it was unanimous ruling. So one Democrat and two Republicans have upheld the the maps that were um, 
produced by the state legislature. Now, again, this does not mean that it's fait accompli. The Supreme Court most likely will take it up. And as uh, Warren Daniels says in his release, that there is a 4-3 Democrat majority. Uh, he's sort of mixing in the, well, I guess I guess he can mix in Justice Anita Earls. We have said for some time Justice Earls represented the NAACP. Now, they're going to be hearing a different case, the NAACP versus Moore, which, again, is a case dealing with the tax cap and voter ID issues. But the Eric Holder organization donated $250,000 to Justice Anita Earls on that basis alone. And look, it's Eric Holder's group that is really pushing the elimination of these maps, uh, you know, th- th- they want they want to control redistricting. Now the Den- the Democrats can control it, and so his point is: Well, wait a minute. One of the key plaintiffs in this case against the maps has donated two hundred fifty thousand mm. dollars to one of the justices. Well, well, here's a thought. Um, you know, as, as the Supreme Court. If they do appeal this to the Supreme Court of North Carolina, the Democrats have a 4-3 majority. Now, just, what, weeks ago, uh, retired Supreme Court justices, both conservative and liberals, were retired, you know, basically made some statements, issued statements uh, when it came to them requesting uh, Phil Berger Jr. and Tamara Berger to step down. I mean, they basically— came out on a on a bipartisan basis if you will saying hey this isn't right you know basically saying the supreme court was trying to sound political now with this three judge panel today uh, uh, they found it unanimous that the maps are okay one democrat now to me if i was a supreme court justice as, as a democrat and you've had got a unanimous ruling you know that included a democrat I, you know maybe i might want to be an advocate for the Constitution and the law and not for the political party. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. It, 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 you're right. It does make it much more awkward for a Supreme Court justice to say, well, wait a minute. That was a, that was a partisan political decision if it would have been too Republican. And I'm, I'm not saying that our superior court is political, and I won't even say, well, I probably will say at some point the Supreme Court is political. Yeah, it is. But <laughs> but it, it certainly does make it a whole lot more difficult and awkward for Democrat justices on the Supreme Court to say, oh, you know, there's there's been malfeasance at the lower court. We have to intervene. Now, granted, there is going to be an appeal by the Eric Holder Group, they will appeal the the case, but has I, I don't think I don't think the Supreme Court. Now they have said if it goes up the ladder, it will skip the Court of Appeals. That's right. It, but that was if it goes up the ladder. Yeah, if it's appealed, it will go to Supreme Court. If the Supreme Court takes it, the Supreme Court doesn't have to take it. Well, and I, you know, I, again, I'm starting to play lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a constitutional lawyer for one thing. But um, I, I think the Chief Justice has a say. In that, I would think, which is Paul Newby, who's a yeah, Republican. Paul, yeah, but um, it, I don't know. It just seemed to me I, I would love. I, I, just, I know the Chief Justice has a say at the Supreme at the United States <clears throat> Supreme Court. Yeah, I think they control somewhat of the agenda at the. They North control Carolina the Supreme agenda, Court. and that it goes down to a vote. Right, right. I, I just tried to Google see if I could find. I'm sure 
tomorrow we'll be able to find it. But I would like to uh, see the ruling, see what you know they say, uh, the the merits of of their decision is because if it does get appealed to Supreme Court, I know we're we're doing a lot of speculation here, but if it does get appealed to the Supreme Court, um, well, you you better argue it on some on some constitutional grounds, on some legal grounds versus where it's pretty obvious you're just arguing because you're looking at it from a partisan basis. I just think a 3-0 decision today is big for the Republicans. It's big for the fact that our Constitution says that the General Assembly is the one that draws maps. And uh, I I don't know. I, I It'll probably be appealed because, you know, Eric Holder's group, uh, hey, they filed these lawsuits before the maps were even done. So you know they're they're, oh, yeah. they're oh, looking yeah. at purely yeah. on a political basis, so they'll, they'll probably, probably file a deal. They, they've had all the paperwork already written up, and it's already probably on the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, the News and Observer is reporting uh, concerning the Superior Court. They say their ruling may not be the final word, may not be the final word. The challengers who brought the lawsuit, many affiliated with left-leaning groups, and this is out of the News and Observer, a left-leaning paper, now have two days to decide if they will appeal the ruling. If they do, they would go directly to the North Carolina Supreme Court, where the court's Democratic majority has, has expressed a desire to finish the case quickly with a decision in time for this year's election. Well, if they're going to finish the case quickly, uh, they're going to have to rule in favor of the legislature and the maps. Mm-hmm. Because if they just come out, and, and again, quite frankly, this puts the legislature in a better position to uh, say, wait a minute, wait a minute. You had a superior court unanimously decide in our favor, and now the Supreme Court comes in and decides against us when there is absolutely, there's no evidence that there was wrongdoing. And again, if you read the Constitution, Dallas Woodhouse had a a, a piece in his uh, Carolina Journal column yesterday just saying, look, the Constitution says nothing about how political the map drawing and the redistricting can be it's it's quiet on the issue and his point being that there's great latitude whoever whichever party is in charge there's great latitude for them to draw the maps Mm -hmm. so it is going to be uh it's going to as you said earlier it's going to put the supreme court in a very the democrats on the supreme court in a very awkward position and it's going to look highly political it's going to look as if a judicial body is not deciding the merits based on the Constitution, but they're making a political decision. They themselves are trying to compensate for the fact that the Democrats don't have enough representation in the legislature. You know, earlier you were reading from uh, Senator Warren Daniels' release this afternoon and, and about Eric Holder and, and uh, Justice Anita Earls. And, um, you know, when you think about it, you know, the whole case when they were trying to get um, – uh, Phil Berger Jr. and Barringer to recuse themselves, or actually that they, they didn't want them to recuse themselves. They were trying to force them to be in right. and recuse themselves. Right. Exactly. Well, I mean, I, I agree that hey, the the rules are a judge can only depend uh, can only make the decision if they are uh, independent, have no conflict of interest. But when you have a Supreme Court justice, Anita Earls, 
hearing a case from her largest campaign contributor. Oh, yeah. $250,000. You know, I, I don't know what the threshold of conflict of interest for judges. and <laughs> I would but, think that would be, a, if you look it up in the dictionary, there's going to be a picture of Anita Earls. Well, you know, in, in the in the CPA world, our, our professional standards, we, we have rules of independence on certain things that we deal with. And, and, and the threshold is independence in appearance and independence in fact. So she fails in both counts. I, well, it's hard to argue facts, but the appearance, uh, I don't think you can argue well, that. Well, the fact is, she got a gift of $250,000 from the plaintiff. Bottom line is, um, this is a good ruling, and the good guys win today. Yeah. 3 nothing. That's a shutout. And, um, and what was the name of the um, the woman who was the Democrat on on the Superior Court? Uh, Dawn, I can't remember her last name, mm-hmm. um, but... Kudos to her because there were, there had to be enormous pressure, whether it was spoken or unspoken, for her oh, to yeah. go along with the Democrats. Yeah, and you look at, um, I mean, when it comes to election time, I mean, fact of the matter is, I mean, people that are, uh, you know, whether it's a, quote, Democrat judge or conservative judge, Republican judge, I mean, they, they get campaign funds and they yep. have people ra- help raise them money. But um, it, it's it's good that. I mean, judges, whether it's at any level, um, particularly at Supreme Court level, uh, I mean, they they have to be advocates for the law, period. And that's where it ends. That's where Uh, it should end. The Democratic justice was uh, Anson County Judge Dawn Layton. Mm -hmm. So uh, kudos to her for standing up for principle. Uh, we'll, we'll continue to follow that. We, we were talking before we went on the air. We hadn't heard anything until the mics went on concerning the maps and uh, whether or not how the superior court would decide and whether or not the supreme court would take it up and again as you said we'll probably hear in the next 24 hours whether it's been appealed and whether or not the supreme court uh, said yay or nay Uh, we also have not heard anything from last friday's oral hearings at the united states supreme court concerning the mandate did you see this bizarre story down in charlotte a man climbed 90 feet yeah, up onto an energized electrical power uh, tower on Sunday. Uh, they had to shut down the power, and there was power outages all over the area as a result. Um, <laughs> Major Brian Foley of the uh, Charlotte Police Department said uh, God was watching over this guy because he should have been fried. Mm. There were six lines on this tower, each carrying 115,000 volts. You know, every now and then you'll see a bird land on one of these wires mm-hmm. and they land in the wrong place on the wire and suddenly the bird disappears. <laughs> I've never seen <laughs> you, that happen. You, I've you, seen them land before, but I've never seen them get fried. You, oh, yeah. And suddenly there's just little feathers that are <laughs> half lit up falling to the ground. I'd ha- Speaking of being half lit, I'd have to be full lit. <laughs> I'd have to be full lit to climb up 90 feet anyway. There is is no word on how lit this climber was. But uh, anyway, he's uh, lived to see another day. Uh, Mm. But wow. Frankly, if it was just an, an old tower that had no lines on it, climbing 90 feet up on one of those towers, yeah, you gotta be, uh, you gotta be a little gutsy. You know, I, I used to 
own a radio station and uh, one time when they were changing the light bulbs on this one tower that was 300 feet tall uh, i said hey let me put on your uh, equipment and see how far far up i can go on the tower I got about 50 feet up, and I said, man, that's that's plenty high for me. <laughs> I mean, telling you, yeah. 300 feet in the air is a lot. 90 feet in the air is a lot. you got to be crazy. Mm. Yeah. There, uh, Clark's got a – oh, is that the guy? That's the guy up there. Yeah, if you're watching on Facebook or uh, Rumble or on uh, Cable smoke. 7, yeah, there's the guy up on the tower. Uh, he was actually above the wires. I mean, when you got 115,000 volts going through those wires, a lot of times it would just jump and zap you. Good work, Clark. All yeah, right, we got to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. Love to hear from you. 561-8255. Interesting um, uh, give and take with the FBI on the January 6th Capitol insurrection. We've got some audio. We'll talk about that when we get back. Shotgun with your 5 o'clock drive. The drive home should be a delight. This is Tom Lamprecht with more news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Taking a look at your cold forecast. Uh, Bring in the uh, cat and cover up the plants. A load tonight. And, yeah, if you haven't uh, winterized your sprinkler system, uh, you might want to go out and do that. Bring the hose in. Cold tonight. Low of 17. I think that's, that's it is the coldest it has been thus far in uh, the cold weather months of December a long time, and January. A long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a, that is a deep freeze. Tomorrow warms back up, sunny and fifty-one. Tomorrow night a low around thirty-one and uh, partly cloudy. Thursday rather nice, mostly sunny with a high near fifty-five. A little PSA here: if you've got uh, outside faucets and you have like a garden hose hooked up to it, sometimes you don't always just cut it off completely and if there's a little bit of drip as cold as it is tonight um tomorrow morning you might be calling the plumber yeah or going by a hardware yeah. store yeah. so thank you un- yeah thanks donald unhook those uh garden hoses and make sure your water's off absolutely do they still make those those um insulated little covers, covers? Yeah, yeah they work yeah. they yeah. really work yeah mm-hmm. yeah if you're on the way home run by lowe's and pick up a couple it of kind those. of traps the heat from the house especially right. brick yeah. foundation yeah. and try to trap yeah. that heat <clears throat> Uh, weather brought to you by our friends at Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Voted best golf course in Greenville two years in a row. They boast an 18-hole Lee Trevino design course, full-service dining, and outdoor pool, tennis, and more. The newly renovated 15,000-square-foot clubhouse is the perfect place to make new traditions with your family. By the way, I was there uh, doing something uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, one of the district Republican Party meetings was taking place hmm. at this new 15,000-square-foot clubhouse. They didn't give me lunch, but uh, I went by and said hi to a couple of folks. For a limited time, join Ironwood, pay zero initiation fees. Give them a call, 252-752-4653. Find out what makes Ironwood the best of Greenville, 252-752-4653. Or if uh, you want to have a meeting and a meal for your group at uh, Ironwood Golf and Country Club, a great place to do that. They've got all kinds of uh, facilities which can accommodate your group. Again, give them a call. 252-752-4653. Durham County is investigating a Raleigh physician's tenure as the county public health medical director following a 20-count federal indictment 
accusing her of committing Medicare fraud at her private practice. From December 19, 2019 to December 31, 2021, just a week and a half ago, Dr. Anita Jackson served as medical and laboratory director at the Durham County Public Health Department. She oversaw all clinical functions of the department with a focus on the county's response to COVID. Jackson was indicted last week and charged by federal prosecutors with billing Medicare roughly, hold on, $46 million for medical services at Greater Carolina ear, nose, and throat through fraudulent means. The indictment in federal court pretty much spells it out. The practice generated at least $5.4 million from services which were sinus treatments. Uh, it even gets nastier. Uh, yeah. No, um, no she, she's charged, accused of identity theft, mail fraud, deceiving regulators and patients, falsifying medical documents from 2014 through 2018, at her practices, the indictment further alleges Jackson netted hundreds of thousands of dollars, this is where it gets gross, by reusing balloon devices inserted into patients' noses that came into contact with mucus and other body secretions, despite the fact that the devices are designed for single use only. Mm. The recent U.S. Department of Justice federal indictment against Dr. Jackson has triggered an internal audit investigation to evaluate activities that occurred during her contract period with the public health department. As medical and laboratory director, Jackson described herself on her LinkedIn profile as playing an integral role in the county's pandemic response with expertise on COVID-19 testing in historically marginalized populations. Uh, I would say you played an integral role, but we don't know whether it was, uh, and chances are it wasn't a good integral role. Jackson, who has received degrees from the University of Illinois and Harvard, has worked as a doctor specializing in the medical and surgical care of ears, nose, throat for over 20 years. If all I can say is if uh, you were not a patient of this Dr. Jackson, be very happy. Be very glad. I, I am sorry, but there's, there's one of two things that are possible here. Now, her one possibility is what her lawyer said, that um, her lawyer told ABC 11 that the charges were completely bogus, an evil, an evil prosecutorial indictment. Hmm. So that's one possibility. Yep, possibility. That's a possibility. Now, this is a federal indictment, right? This is a federal indictment. Now, was it Medicare or Medi- Medicaid? Medicare. Medicare. That's hmm. what the article says. Hmm. And and then so that's one possibility. The other possibility is this whole thing just don't add up. Well, you know, she also sits on Roy Cooper's yes medical commission, I believe she does. Mm. Um, the doctor Jackson also was one of seventeen members of the North Carolina Medical Care Commission appointed by none other than Governor Cooper, and apparently this woman would allow Cooper. To check, you don't you don't vet the person. You just find out whether or not to check the box. You can check the box, <laughs> the intersectionality box. I also think um, I think she might is she a tenured professor at UNC or not? Ten, but or maybe uh, I think she has been a past has, professor yeah, uh, she at has, UNC. Yeah, yeah, has some um, maybe the school of pharmacy or something at UNC. Uh, it think. gets even more hmm. bizarre. 
In 2005, Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina sued Jackson for allegedly overcharging the insurer millions of dollars through fraud. Jackson countersued, and the initial case was settled out of court in 2009. Hmm. Now, it, now that that would make you think that Jackson prevailed. No, it doesn't. It, you know, it was settled out of court. We don't know who prevailed in that. Whether or not her countersuit made her victorious, or her countersuit allowed her to settle for half of what was originally being asked for, and they agreed because that was a cheaper way to go than to go through an entire lawsuit. And look, I'm sorry, but a lot of bad publicity for Blue Cross and Blue Shield as Dr. Jackson is a minority, a female minority. Yeah, and publicity is important to them when, you know, you take somebody like me and they increase my health insurance premium by 20% in one year. <laughs> but, yeah. but you know, you mentioned Medi- Medicare. Um, interesting, last night I just happened to be researching something else Um and I found some other cases. It's just amazing. This was a case in Wilmington. I won't mention, I mean, heck, the people have already gone to jail. But the amount of fraud and abuse that occurs in Medicaid and Medicare well, is Medicaid astou- even more so. Medicaid's oh, yeah. worse. Yeah. It, it's astounding. Yeah. And so, you know, when Republicans argue all the time about, or the Democrats argue that Republicans should just, you know, check the box and expand Medicaid. The state auditor, which is a Democrat, Beth Wood, has said all the time, uh, I've heard her a number of times say she could just it's audit she could just audit Medicaid yeah. all the time and, and that she she's plenty of plenty it happens to do. all over the place. And just as a casual observation, it seems that a lot of these um practices that deal with quote mental health oh yeah yeah uh boy that that was the two cases i was looking at last night was mental health yeah yeah. and it's and oftentimes it's not a doctor that is running these quote mental health facilities uh it's and and in some cases i I mean i'm familiar with a particular case because it was located at a and this was years ago but it was located near where our office was and all it was, and I'm not saying these persons did anything fraudulent, but their healthcare facility, they basically were babysitting people that had severe mental and physical disabilities, and they were getting paid large sums of money for babysitting these people at their office mm-hmm. for 8, 10, 12 hours a day. The, the federal government was paying them big bucks to babysit these people i mean it was uh so we we had firsthand knowledge of that situation but uh again you're not going to vet any of these people mm. just yeah, yeah okay and and the, and the way the reason why they're in for mail fraud is oftentimes what happens is these people get a a hold of the names of the people that have medicare and uh, they get a hold of them. They get their names, and uh, they they bill Medicare, the federal government, for fictitious things that were never never happened at the practice. And they send the bill through the mail, and uh, that's how you get mail fraud. Well, we need to put this case on our tickler and just just follow up with it and see what happens. Because sometimes you never hear what happens with these cases. But uh, if something good happens. Um that's good and juicy for the show since roy cooper appointed her uh we, we yeah. got to follow that i'll i'll 
I'll click that on my there computer to follow that one. Let's take another break, and then I want to get to this story with uh, the FBI and uh, Ted Cruz. I think, you know, uh, was it last week he was on Tucker Carlson, and Tucker really took him to the woodshed. I think uh, Ted is trying to uh, show his repentance by uh, his line of questioning today with the FBI concerning the January 6th boondog. We'll have that when we get back. Their workforces are fully vaccinated. Democrats call it. The right decision was necessary. It's not about freedom. Republicans call it. It's exactly about freedom. This unlawful man. Condescending to Americans. What happens next happens here with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. So up on Capitol Hill today, there was a hearing with the Senate Judiciary Committee and, um, some of our nation's security enforcement, FBI Executive Assistant Director of the National Security Branch, was unable to provide answers during a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing about the potential involvement of federal informants during the 2021 Capitol riot. Jill Sanborn was that FBI Executive Assistant Director. Um, you've heard the name Ray Epps. Hmm. Ray Epps, if you ever watched Tucker Carlson, um, he's done a lot of video of this guy, Ray Epps, who is highly questionable. It appears on video that's been released that Ray Epps was an agitator encouraging the people attending that uh, rally that Donald Trump had on January the 6th of 2021 at at that rally and the night before, Ray Epps was shouting to the crowd. And Ray Epps, by the way, is a rather large man. I think he was ex-military, if I'm not mistaken. Former sergeant in the Marine Corps. Yeah. He, and he, he looks the part. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like somebody would take you out. Yeah. <laughs> and he is hollering at the crowd, you know, tomorrow we go into the Capitol. And he was continuing. And at one point, he whispers into the ears of the people at the barricade. And next thing you know, they're trying to knock down the barricade. Well, Ray Epps has sort of disappeared from everywhere. And it appears that, well, he was definitely an instigator. It appears that he was an instigator, perhaps working for the government, trying to get people to follow his lead to potentially break the law, to well, set up know, a scenario that they were hoping for. Well, you know, even if you don't go that far and speculate that he could be this or could be that, I mean, at first he was one of the top 15 or 16 that they said, yeah, um, yeah, there he's a pretty big guy. But he was top 15 or 16 people. They were persons of interest, I guess is what they say. All of a sudden he disappears. It, it, he's no longer a person of interest. Now, how? <laughs> Yeah. Put that put that picture back up, Clark. If you're watching on Cable 7 or on uh, Rumble or Facebook, uh, that, that is Ray Epps. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a, a guy that's retired from the military, but certainly fits the description of a, a drill sergeant. Anyway, so today, and by the way, if you remember um, last week, Ted Cruz, we didn't really cover this, but last week Ted Cruz spoke at another hearing and 
described those people that went into the Capitol. Now, he said it was a slip of the tongue. They were poorly chosen words, which they were, (laughs) but he called them terrorists. And uh, if you're a fan of Tucker Carlson, you'll know that uh, Tucker Carlson really took them to task. And even when Ted Cruz said, oh, that was a bad choice of words, Tucker Carlson wouldn't let him get away with just that. He said, no, no, you choose your words very carefully. Uh, That wasn't a slip of the tongue. And uh, anyway, I think Ted Cruz is uh, looking for some groveling and repentance as this is how the give and take went between Ted Cruz and Jill Sanborn, the FBI executive assistant director for the National Security Branch. How many FBI agents or confidential informants actively participated in the events of January 6th? Sir, I'm sure you can appreciate that I can't go into the specifics of sources and methods. uh, Did any FBI agents or confidential informants informants actively participate in the events of January 6th? Yes or no? Sir, I I can't answer that. Did any FBI agents or confidential informants commit crimes of violence on January 6th? I can't answer that, sir. Did any FBI agents or FBI informants actively encourage and incite crimes of violence on January 6th? Sir, I can't answer that. Ms. Sadburn, who is Ray Epps? I'm aware of the individual, sir. Uh, I don't have the specific background to him. Well... There are a lot of well, people who are understandably very concerned about Mr. Epps. On the night of January 5th, 2021, Epps wandered around the crowd that had gathered. And there's video out there of him chanting, tomorrow, we need to get into the Capitol, into the Capitol. This was strange behavior, so strange that the crowd began chanting, fed, 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 fed. Ms. Sandburn, was Ray Epps a fed? Sir, I cannot answer that question. The next day, on January 6th, Mr. Epps is seen whispering to a person, and five seconds later, five seconds after he's whispering to a person, that same person begins to forcibly tear down the barricades. Did Mr. Epps urge them to tear down the barricades? Similar to the other answers, I cannot answer that. Shortly thereafter, the FBI put out a public post seeking information on individuals connected with violent crimes on January 6th. Among those individuals in the bottom there is Mr. Epps. The FBI publicly asked for information, identifying, offering cash rewards for information leading to the arrest. This was posted, and then, sometime later, magically, Mr. Epps disappeared from the public posting. According to public records, Mr. Epps has not been charged with anything. No one's explained why a person videoed urging people to go to the Capitol, a person whose conduct was so suspect the crowd believed he was a Fed, would magically disappear from the list of people the FBI was looking at. Ms. Sanborn, a lot of Americans are concerned that the federal government deliberately encouraged illegal and violent conduct on January 6th. My question to you, and this is, a, this is not an ordinary law enforcement question, this is a question of a public accountability. Did federal agents or those in service of federal agent actively encourage violent and criminal conduct on January 6th? Not to my knowledge, sir. Thank you. You know, it's interesting how these agencies can't or won't answer questions. And by the way, numerous publications out there are, are, are you know, don't, don't be confused when she says, I can't answer that. She's not saying, well, I don't know. She is saying, I refuse to answer that. 
And it's it's really interesting when it makes them look guilty and, and, and you have the accusations out there and they won't answer. To me, it just makes them look all the more guilty. But uh, it's interesting how suddenly they're so concerned with mm-hmm. protecting somebody else's rights. Right. Well, what about the people, the poor slobs that are locked up in jail up there? Yeah, and you know that she she answered that last question, that normal cop out of "not to my knowledge." You know, <laughs> yeah, that's a Hillary Clinton <laughs> oh, classic. Yeah, not, but but um, yeah, yesterday or last night, I, and I should have saved it, but I I read a local news report out in Arizona. Apparently, Ray Epps has a a ranch outside of Phoenix, and they basically went out to try to interview him and show him driving around a golf cart and. And he pretty much told him to get the hell off his off his ranch, but uh, they had pictures of him. They took him from a distance. Pictures the same guy we just put up, but he uh, apparently has a ranch outside of Phoenix, and it's a wedding venue place now. But he, he, the the comments that has been all over the internet, the video of him basically inciting a riot, if you want to call it a riot. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Is that not conspiracy to do all these things they've accused these people of oh, yeah. doing? I mean, yeah. If anybody's guilty, you know, again, the the big question is, okay, was was this guy a enthusiastic Trump supporter that went way over the line? If that's all he was, why isn't he locked up like all the others are? Yeah, I mean, well, interesting. After Ted Cruz was finished, moments later, Tom Cotton from Arkansas pressed Assistant Attorney General for National Security Matthew Olson about Epps, quote, he was in the FBI's Capitol Riot Most Wanted page just days after January 6th. In fact, he was one of the first 16 suspects added to the Most Wanted list page on your website, Cotton said. It does not appear he was arrested or charged with any offense. In July, without explanation, he was removed from the FBI's Most Wanted page, exactly what you said earlier. Mr. Olson, who is Ray Epps and why was he removed? Olson referred Cotton to Sanborn after she repeatedly refused to offer details in the same case. Quote, Senator, I don't have any information about that individual. I would defer you to Mrs. Sa- Ms. Sanborn, Olson said. You're the Assistant Attorney General for National Security. You run the National Security Division. The department has said that these January 6th prosecutions are the one of their highest priorities, Cotton said. This is a man who was on the most wanted page for six months. Do you really, do you really expect us to believe that you've never heard the name Ray Epps? You don't know anything about him. Quote, I simply don't have any information at all about that individual, Olson said. What other suspects on the most wanted page do you know anything about, Cotton asked. Olson didn't offer an answer before Cotton pressed again. Can you name anyone else on the Department of Justice's most wanted page, Cotton asked. I'm not familiar with the most wanted page, Olson said. In the same hearing, then Utah Republican Senator Mike Lee asked the panel about the agency's double standard treatment of left-wing rioters in the 2020 versus the January 6th defendants who are being held as political prisoners in solitary confinement. Quote, how many individuals who may have committed crimes associated with the riots in the spring of the su- and summer of 2020 were either r- arrested by law enforcement with pre-dawn raids with SWAT teams or had search warrants served on them through those means, Lee asked. Sanborn said she didn't have that particular information. Could you please at least tell me the approximate number of whether it is comparable to the number of those 
who had executed or arrested in connection with the spring and summer riots of 2020, Lee asked. Sanborn said, said, again said she did not have that information. You have a way of telling me how many of these individuals who were arrested in connection with the spring and the summer riots of 2020 were placed in solitary, uh, solitary confinement, Lee asked. I don't have that, Sanborn said. I'm not exactly sure that the FBI would house that data. It, it is now when you get into the most wanted list and those kind of things. Okay, m- maybe I'll say okay, they did memorize that, but you come to a Senate hearing on the January sixth riots, and you don't know who Ray Epps is. <laughs> That's beyond the pale. I mean, well, it's not like this has not been in the news. It's been in the news. I mean, Tucker Carlson talks about this, has talked about this probably at least once a week for the last 48 weeks. <laughs> well, here's another alternative uh, view on this, maybe. Uh, maybe that was intentional. You send the dumbest guy, the least informed guy, <laughs> so, so he doesn't say anything to hang you. Investigation. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, you well, said, uh, let's let's send Jones. I mean, he's an idiot. He don't know what's going on. <laughs> Listen, there's, there's no shortage of idiots up in D.C. That's for sure. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Back to news and views. Talk ninety six point three and one zero three seven. Welcome back in. Uh, by the way, that wasn't the only excitement up on Capitol Hill. We don't have time to play the audio, but boy, Rand Paul and Tony Fauci went at it big time. In fact, just go ahead and play just 30 seconds of this. This is this is how it went down. Thank you. Knowledge, sir. Not to my... January 6th. On January. Criminal conduct. No, no, that's, that, that's going back to Ted Cruz. Uh, there's a little audio clip there. But uh, anyway, Anthony Fauci and, uh, and Rand Paul, uh, boy, they just went at it today. And what's interesting, the most interesting thing that Rand Paul... Uh, to, to give you the Reader's Digest version, he cited time and time again when Anthony Fauci, via emails that have been revealed, were basically conspiring against any scientist that was giving a narrative that was in conflict with Anthony Fauci. Mm-hmm. Covers. Covers butt. Yeah. Mm. And Anthony Fauci, and, and again, Rand Paul asked, okay, why did you do this? Anthony Fauci would not answer the question. He merely said, Senator, why are you always trying to besmirch my name? Why are you always personally going after me? He would not answer the questions. It was uh, very, very frustrating, but I, I uh, wish, typical I wish Anthony Fauci. Yeah, I wish Rand Paul would have just said, because you're a liar. That's, I wish you had just said that simply. Well, I would say, <laughs> I would say he said everything but that. Yeah, he was diplomatic about it. Sure, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Well, he was fired up as much as he can be with Fauci, because Fauci just denies everything yeah, and misdirects yeah. and doesn't answer questions. And I mean, it's, it's almost like uh, where the attorney writes on his paper, weak point, scream louder. Yeah, because <laughs> that's exactly what Anthony Fauci did. Hey, thanks for being with us. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5 o'clock. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.